Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Piper Electric has been serving the Denver metro area since 1983 through a commitment to customer service and team performance. Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or small for Piper Electric. They work with top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. So don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 and receive 20% off your next service call. Go with the people who support DNVR and our DNVR subscribers. You might even talk a little nuggets as Broncos Rockies along the way. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I am your host, Adam Mades from DNVR Nuggets, creative director, VP of creative, what was my title again? VP of creative content over at DNVR, a, a title I'm very proud of, even if I don't know what it, don't actually remember what it is, because I'm just proud of the work we've done over at DNVR. Four months, we're almost at the four-month anniversary, which isn't like a real anniversary, I guess. Four months isn't a real one. But it's still, we're almost up on four months of this. And when I look back, I can't believe all of the stuff that we have accomplished over there. And the best is yet to come. I'm telling you, we have some stuff under in the works right now for members that, I, I it like, honest to God, blows my mind. Um, so if you're not a subscriber already, you're going to want to subscribe. This week alone, if you're wondering what you get when you subscribe for $5 a month, this week alone, what is it, Wednesday? I have per, I have um, single-handedly produced two episodes of The List, one episode of What Makes This Play Great, and then, of course, all of our podcast content, which is free to everybody. Um, but l- subscribers do get to ask questions. I'm going to get the last segment of today's show. I'm going to answer three questions that came in um, on thednbr.com throughout this week. And just all kinds of cool stuff. Then you got Harrison Wind has been killing it. Brennan Vote provides grades after every game that act as a nice summary. It's like a nice format. It's not just, okay, who got an A, B, whatever. There's a nice format to it where he kind of recaps the game in a fun and interesting way. He's a really good writer, as is Harrison. And then, of course, you get all the coverage to all of our other stuff. If you don't know, you know, this year, this season, I've really gotten into the Rockies and Abs through the other guys on our, uh, you know, doing the beats through DNVR because they're just so passionate like myself. I don't know if you saw this on our, you know, on our social feeds or whatever, but Larry Walker was inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, t- today. A huge moment that I wouldn't have really known the gravity of this moment for Colorado Rockies fans, like diehard Colorado Rockies fans, had I not been around Drew Creaseman, who has been talking to me about this since the day that I joined, and you could just see his passion. We had a watch party for this Hall of Fame announcement today at Blake Street Tavern, very well attended, and there were people crying at the watch party, and I'm not saying this to make fun of them. That's how much passion there was for all of the Denver sports teams. So the way you feel, if you're listening to the show, the way you feel about the Nuggets, getting into all of these other teams, everybody's always going to have their favorite. I mean, I'm always going to be a Nuggets fan more than anything else, but it's been so fun just connecting with these other writers and these this other fan bases of Rockies, Broncos, Avs, and just Buffs and Rams and bringing them under one umbrella. So 
I, I say that all to say I'm really excited. Some days I go short on the DNVR stuff. Today I'm going long because this was a great day for our site, and it was a great day, I think, for Colorado sports um, with Larry Walker getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and, and just getting to see everybody and how happy and just what a cool event it was um, uh, to cover that one. So today's episode of the show is going to be a little bit of hodgepodge, probably be a little bit of a shorter one. First segment, I'm going to talk about five positives from the Nuggets being so shorthanded. That's right, positives. Um, in the second segment, I'm going to talk about something nobody's talking about right now. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start the conversation. This might be the most important two-week stretch of Tim Conley's. Actually, I shouldn't say the most important. This might be the most difficult two-week stretch of Tim Conley's tenure here for the Denver Nuggets. He's had other, obviously, drafting Jokic. The, the drafts are always huge, but Tim Conley has to do some things he hasn't necessarily done at least not done at this level with these stakes um, before. So I'm very, very curious for the, for his upcoming couple of weeks. And then the last one, I'm going to take some listener questions or some reader questions, DNVR subscriber questions that I thought um, were really, really good. So, But let's start this off. Five positives. So the Denver Nuggets, Mason Plumlee is going to miss tomorrow night's game against uh, the Houston Rockets. At Gary Harris is doubtful. Makes me think he probably will not play. Um and then you've got probably just give him a little bit more time off before he comes back on Friday. If he's doubtful, next game he'll be questionable and probably play. But I, I don't I don't anticipate he'll play this next one. Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap are both out, and Will Barton. You know, Will Barton has been um, he he's been banged up. I wouldn't be surprised if whenever the the team gets closer to full strength, I wouldn't be surprised if Barton took a week off and and just recovered himself. Um, I, I, I think it was more of a maintenance thing. I know everybody laughs about this. Oh, maintenance guys take load management. You shouldn't play 82 games or get paid what you do if you, if you do that. But the truth is to perform at a high level in today's NBA where you have to cover so much ground. It's funny. There was a great conversation among, uh, between a bunch of people working in the front office and working with, with athletes directly. Um, I can't remember which pot it was, but I'm thinking John Hollinger was on it. So it might've been the locked on NBA show, but they were talking about how, you know, back in the 80s night, everybody talks about, oh, so much more physical back then. And, of course, we remember the, the – the, I should call them highlights. They're really lowlights. People getting clotheslined or whatever and, you know, elbows to the face. Those things happened, and I think they're ridiculous. I mean, nowadays, if you clothesline a guy in the face and knock teeth out the way that happened to Isaiah – Carl Malone did to Isaiah Thomas, then, you know, you would get a suspension for 30 or 40 games, and rightfully so. There's no place for that in the game. It doesn't. It's not a basketball move to elbow a person in the face and knock their teeth out. But what people don't tell you, number one – those are the low lights. We remember the worst of the worst, but you know, there was a lot of teams that just weren't that way. I mean, the Denver Nuggets of the eighties weren't that way. They were a finesse team. Um, for the most part. I mean, they did have some some tough guys, but they were of they weren't like clotheslining guys every single game, every single possession. But the other part, and the part that I found most interesting was players in today's NBA have to cover a lot more ground. What I mean by that is if you think about back in the day, first of all, it was the double teaming rules were really difficult. It was difficult to double team players. Um, there was only certain ways you could do that. So there was a lot less helping and rotating. And then obviously just a lot fewer three-pointer. The court was shrunk. Most shots were coming inside the painted area or around it. So there just wasn't a bunch of flying around. And a lot of the injuries you get today, if you remember, I had Jeff Stotts on a uh, – uh, a physical therapist who works with a lot of athletes and has the most comprehensive database on player injuries going back eight, 19 years now. Um, he talked about how there's been an uptick in sort of these like core muscle strains, these um, groin area strains, you know, ab strains, um, hernias, whatever, and back even. And he said that those types of injuries usually come from like 
um, lateral movement side to side and covering a lot of ground, not necessarily from contact. And so there's just, I, th- I think that players going through an 82 game schedule and playing at the level that they have to play at now is almost a relic of the past for better and worse. And Will Barton is a guy that doesn't break down, other than last year, he doesn't really break down a whole lot. He's been pretty sturdy, um, you know, played a lot of games. But even guys like him, now age 29, Taking a week off, maybe in the middle of the season, not the worst idea. So I, su- I suspect he'll be out um, sometime, maybe between now and the All Star break, whenever he gets a chance. But here's some other positives that I, I take away. Five of them. Number one, everybody knows more minutes for Michael Porter Jr. MPJ is now a, a fixture of the rotation. It's going to be interesting. Unfortunately, not fortunately, I don't think that the Nuggets will be back to full strength until around, at least till after the trade deadline, two weeks from now. So there's a chance that Denver just n- d- never has sort of a log jam. Um, but I am curious to see if everybody comes back, how many minutes is Michael Porter Jr. playing? Because I suspect he'll be playing 25 minutes per game f- over the next two weeks. After that, who knows? Um, but I think we would all love to see him playing the, that kind of steady minutes. And I think Malone went into the season. When he talked about his time will come, I know he's good. I think Malone in the back of his mind thought, okay, somebody's going to get hurt. And then October went by, nobody got hurt. November went by, nobody got hurt. December went by, nobody got hurt. It wasn't until January that guys started dropping. And I think when you look around at other teams, that was an anomaly for Denver. Denver sort of had good health for a long run. And maybe that played a little bit of part in, in Michael Porter Jr. not playing sooner. But now that he is playing a lot, we have seen just how good he is, and we have seen how much improvement he has made in the little time that he's been able to get consistent minutes. And to me, that's by far the biggest positive. The second one is a a better look at Malik Beasley. Beasley was a similar boat as MPJ, just he wasn't in the rotation when everybody was at full health, and I hated that. Malik Beasley it has been phenomenal this season, and he provides something that the Denver Nuggets desperately lack, surprisingly so, and that is three-point shooting. And then you could also throw in a little bit of like just pace, athleticism. Um, he's so springy, he puts pressure on the defense, especially in transition. And so now having him playing all these minutes, not only does it sort of – you know, just help the Nuggets, in my opinion, helps their offense. It also gives you a better look. And I really wonder, is Tim Conley looking at Beasley over these last couple games and going, man, you know what? What are we doing getting rid of him? Maybe we'll hang on to him. Maybe there is some some salvaging to be done for Malik Beasley to, to stay on this Nuggets roster. I don't think so, but I hope so. Number three, Jokic-Grant chemistry. Denver desperately needed this one. They desperately needed minutes between those two because if, as I assume is the case, Denver is going to be going forward with Jeremy Grant as the long-term sort of fixture at power forward, wouldn't you want to know for certain that those two guys have like a growth curve? And when Millsap was healthy, Michael Malone was just playing Jokic, the starting lineup. He was just playing them more than any other team plays their starting lineup. I think it was like 16 minutes per game the starting lineup was playing together on the court. No other team was like above 10. So... The, you weren't getting a lot of opportunity for Jokic and Grant to share the court together. Now you're sort of forced to. And I think you're already seeing some positives, some negatives, but you're already starting to see those two kind of figure each other out. And, you know, another month of this, I mean, who knows how long Paul Millsap's out, but another month of this, I think the chemistry between those two will really give you some great data points about just how good they can be or maybe, uh, you know, the negative side, maybe how much they don't fit to everyone's surprise. I don't know the answer to that just yet. Um, number four, discovering P- P.J. Dozier. 
I did not think PJ Dozier was going to get some NBA minutes, but I'm glad that he has. I don't know. I'm not. I haven't made up my mind on PJ yet. I mean, we only have like 40 minutes total, maybe less than that. Uh, video. Everything in the G League, in my opinion, you can throw out. It's just he's the type of player that is capable of dominating the G League, and so that's great. It would be worse if he wasn't. But it also doesn't tell you that he's going to be a good NBA player. I mean, there's been lots of guys that have gone to the G League, put up numbers, and haven't been good. But PJ, now we're starting to see at that second unit, and just the physical tools alone are, are enough to be intriguing. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested there. And then lastly, uh, pumping up the trade value for all these players. So I mentioned P.J. Dozier. Is Monte Morris maybe a guy that Denver feels they could move on from? Do you need a better look to see how he is with different combinations? Maybe maybe figure out what's going on. I think Monte Morris is a great player. A lot of people would like to have him, but maybe you feel P.J. Dozier can replace him. Um, if Beasley is gone, thank God he's getting minutes. For It'd be tough to trade a guy if he didn't wasn't playing for a whole month leading up to the deadline. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez is getting some minutes, although I don't know if he's increasing or decreasing his trade value at the moment, but you never know. Maybe a couple hot games from uh, from Juancho Hernan Gomez and teams are like, oh yeah, that's what we liked about him. He's not in a good system. He's not in a good um, environment right now for him specifically. Maybe we'll give him a shot. Mason Plumley, obviously, now he's out, but you've got an opportunity to see him. And then who knows? Maybe we'll get to see Vanderbilt. Denver has so many injuries tomorrow, and especially to their front court with Millsap out and with um, Plumley out. Who no? I don't think we'll see Bull Bull. He, they would have, I think, done a lot more. I don't think they're just going to insert him in in a moment like this. If they were going to play him, they would probably work him out a few times up at Pepsi Center, and, and there would be a little bit more lead-up to it, I think. But Jared Vanderbilt's a guy that maybe could – step in and, and, and there's like, you know what, you this is your second season. You've never actually gotten an opportunity to play. Here's your opportunity. This Houston game might be a throwaway game anyway. I mean, Denver, I just don't know if they're going to be able to compete with Houston as shorthanded as they are. They've lost so many in a row to them outside of the one that they got earlier this season. But prior to that, you know, Houston's had their number. I don't know that you're going to be competitive in that. So can you get some data points? Can you try out some some what Malone might consider crazy lineups and see if there's something there. And then the last guy, Torrey Craig, you know, he wasn't playing as well early on in the season. He's kind of been in and out of the rotation, but he's getting a lot of minutes now. And maybe he's a guy that's going, that's on the trade block too. And you get a couple high profile games. It could even be tomorrow shut down Westbrook the way he did in their first matchup this season. And maybe he's a guy that teams are really calling for and um, the Nuggets feel they can move on from. So I think there are some positives that can come out of it. But of course, Denver's got to do what they did on Tuesday and that is, or on Monday, and that is win games. You can't have all of these silver linings if you end up going, you know, one and five, one and six over that stretch. You've got to still stay above water. Maybe not win at the same rate, but you got to kind of tread water until everybody gets back. We take a break. We are now covering the Colorado's professional rugby team, the Colorado Raptors. You might not have even known it, but there's a whole community of Raptors out there. Colton Strickler, he's our reporter. He's taking you inside the locker room with the DNVR Raptors podcast, and you can find his written work, Raptors content, on our site with the rest of our coverage. Of course, you can also join this amazing team community on the DNVR Raptors Twitter account to get a daily look at what Colorado rugby is all about. These guys have an opportunity to really be great this year, and we're excited to take you on that journey. If you didn't know, the Raptors play at Infinity Park in Glendale, just east of Cherry Creek. And beyond checking out our coverage, you should really go down there and, ch and check out a game it's an awesome venue full of amazing fans and the price is unbeatable kids are getting in for five dollars um, and you can buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com search for the dnvr raptors podcast after our show and give colorado rugby a shot the breck brew of the day is the avalanche 
amber ale, delicious one, probably my go-to whenever I'm just looking to have one. Um, you want to, though, check out, I've been teasing this for a while, we're having another watch party uh, coming up on the 30th, which is next Thursday, a week from Thursday, at Stoney's. And this is a home game. We usually don't do these for home games. Usually it's on the road, but this is a big event we're, we're partnering with Breck Brew on, and there's going to be a cool new announcement pertinent both to um, DNVR and to Breck Brewery. You're going to want to come and check that out. If you're not going to the game, you're going to want to check that out. I will, of course, be at the game, but this event is going to be really, really cool, and there's going to be lots of free Breck brews there. So um, that's all I can tease. I get They told me I have to be like real careful about how I tease this one um, because it's so like you know it's going to be kind of a big thing coming up i wish i could tell you a little bit more but you're going to want to check it out next week um the nuggets are at home but for that game if you're not going to it come drink some free beer eat some delicious food at stoney's and find out what all of this brouhaha is all about um again check that out and then of course you can always check things out on our events page on the dnvr.com you don't have to be a subscriber to get to the events tab um you can always just see what we have going on So Tim Conley now is facing a very interesting two-week stretch. The Nuggets—they've really done the the hard part, um, you know, finding their collection of talent. I believe that the Denver Nuggets have a big three. Nikola Jokic is your cornerstone piece. I think at this very moment, Jamal Murray is your sidekick, and Michael Porter Jr. is sort of your your young gun. Okay, if you think about this, like Ocean's Eleven, Jokic is your Danny Ocean. You've got uh, uh, Jamal Murray right now as uh, Rust, Rusty, and then the Matt Damon character. I don't even remember his name. That, that's that's Michael Porter Jr. You know, that might change. I suspect it will. I think that this team is going to be Jokic and MPJ, and that Jamal Murray is going to be a very strong third wheel. Um, and who knows, and then figure out the contract situations and everything else down the line. But right now, I think you have your big three. So, it's hard to do that. It's really hard, and I think as as recently as a month ago, I think that Denver's front office wasn't sure if they had their big three. I think that they knew that they had one. They were hopeful they had two, and they were optimistic. I mean, the front office, more so than anybody else, I think, has been not. And when I say front office, I mean, you know, people at Pepsi Center, like all, all not not just the people in the front office, but you know, people around that that actually get to see um, behind the curtain for practices and workouts and every and get to know these guys very very intimately. They've been very high on Michael Porter Jr. They were right. They were right. They were very. They were right to be very high on him. Um. So I think they were maybe somewhere between hopeful and optimistic about it. But now that we've seen him, I think it's clear that this dude, this dude's a player, should he be able to stay healthy. Um, so now you got to start thinking about you've drafted well. You've even got a pipeline of young players. I mean, Bull Bull, we don't even talk about them, rightfully so. I mean, he's out of sight, out of mind. I don't think he's going to be an impact piece at all this entire season. Um, but you've got all of these players. But this is a new sort of challenge for the Denver Nuggets. Tim Conley... He's got to win the phones. What do I mean by that? It's a completely different skill set to identify and draft talent and really to acquire talent via, you know, the draft, summer league, you know, signing guys to two ways and bringing them up and developing them. Even identifying guys like Will Barton, if you look at where the Nuggets have had success, it's been with Will Barton, you know, basically you're scouting a player that's at the end of a bench. But Denver's next step for and for Tim Conley in particular I believe and especially over the next two weeks is to win the phones and what that means is 
it's a completely different skill set. It's not necessarily identifying. I mean, part of it is obviously identifying the players that can fit the system. But there's also just figuring out how to get the most value out of something you already have. I mean, think about it. Tim Conley has done a great job of turning picks into value, end of bench players into value, you know, finding that. But he hasn't necessarily done a great job of turning assets into something that is also useful for building a contender. The best job you could say he's done was signing Will Barton to that second deal. If you remember, I think Will Barton was making like $3 million a year for three years on his his first re-signing with the Denver Nuggets. Um, but I don't know that there's been like great deals along the way. Not that any of them have been awful. I think the Plumlee one was really confusing since nobody else seemed to be bidding. Um, and even paying a center $13 million for three years is weird, although you could, you know, Mason Plumlee's been such a big piece of this team that I don't know where Denver would be without him. But has Denver, I don't know if Tim Conley has ever like made this type of move that's like, oh man, that was really smart. Turn these crazy assets into something that's even more valuable or as valuable to Denver down the line. Daryl Morey is the king of this. In a lot of ways, Daryl Morey and Tim Conley are very, very, very different. Um, you know, Tim Conley, extremely personable guy. I think knowing all of the players on his roster on a personal level, he's talked about, you know, when Will Barton came to town, he had, for the first time, he had him over to his house. He talked, he didn't mince words. He said, dude, this is your last stop. Um, you know, you, you've got to, this is your chance. You've been waiting for this chance. Here it is. Go, just go out and make the most of it. I mean, Tim Conley is a very likable person and a very sociable, I think, um, I don't think there's anybody that hates Tim Conley, but can he win that relationship? Can he win the phone call? Can he get on and say, look, I know you want Malik Beasley. I know you want Monte Morris, Wancher, whoever it is. I know you want these guys, but you're going to have to pay a premium to get them. And I know I can make you. I know all of the different things to do to win this negotiation so that what you give me is what you didn't want to, you know, giving up the most possible value for that. We haven't seen it. And I think that's probably what what what, what his job is going to be. And not only that, you also wonder, you know, what are some of his motivations? Does Is he concerned, as I am, that should you trade away a Malik Beasley player, that you don't have a Malik Beasley in, in the playoffs? I think Beasley has a chance of winning a playoff series for a team, and I hope that team is the Denver Nuggets. He's that good of a player that, you know, when you talk about Rodney Hood, in my opinion, was the single most important player um, in that playoff series between Denver and Portland because should, would Denver have shut down Rodney Hood? He was the X factor nobody was talking about, and he won them a couple games, had a 25-point game, I think two 20-point games. So could Malik Beasley be that guy that knocks down two out of three three-pointers in, in 10 minutes or 15 minutes? Um, I think he can be that guy for a team. I hope it's the Denver Nuggets. Um but, you know, how does Tim Conley view him? Maybe Gary Harris, he thinks, is expendable. So this is this is really, really interesting and sort of a, uh, a peer into his mind. If there's anything that history has taught us, it's that he's going to stand pat. He has, in many instances, when you thought, oh, he's definitely going to do something, not done anything. And oftentimes it's been right. I mean, the we don't skip steps mantra has been there for a reason. So, um you know, I'm really, really curious to see. And then the other thing is, does his vision align with Michael Malone's? I know that their visions, for the most part, do. But, you know, one question I have when I'm watching these games is, I imagine a front office is always a lot more urgent than a coach. Um, because a front office may be thinking like, okay, you got Michael Porter Jr., they've been hyping him up. I mean, they did not... If Woj was talking about it, and, oh, I'm talking to the Nuggets front office, they think this guy is a star. And then you go the first month and he doesn't even play. It makes me wonder, 
Did the front office know that? Did they know going into it that, oh, man, this is going to be a real slow process, and, oh, he's going to play three minutes against Cleveland after starting and playing and scoring 25 points uh, against Indiana. Now he's only going to play three minutes the next night. Was the front office, did they look at that and go, okay, we have to do our job, which is we gave Malone a lot of play, a lot of pieces. We made his job tough. Let's make it easy. Let's get rid of a Tory Craig and a – you know, I don't. Whoever else might potentially stand in the way and just say, "Hey, now you have to play him. He's the only option." You know, maybe that is the case, and um, you know, we'll see what they have to say about. It. I think it's, but again, winning this sort of type of battle just hasn't been something that Tim Conley has proven to do. And there, there's always some trade-offs with this. One thing about the Nuggets front office, people don't, I don't think, understand. It's really small, and I think when people hear that, they think, "Oh, it's a bad thing." I think it's a good thing. And I think they think it's a good thing. You don't see things leak from the Denver Nuggets organization. You don't see like you know the Clippers and Lakers and you know some of the, uh, there's so many teams or the Celtics, you know, uh, 76ers where there's leaks coming out all the time, and you're thinking, okay, where did this report come? What's the angle? Which agent is saying what? You don't get that here in Denver. And one of the reasons you don't get that is that there is a front office full of guys who genuinely get along and like each other and have a long sort of long-standing trust that goes back before their tenure in Denver. I remember guys like Tommy Balchettis, Arturis Karnasovas, Tim Conley, these guys all knew each other before this. Um, and, and so they really are a friendship. And guys that they brought in, like Calvin Booth, um, Ben Tenzer is a part of this group. They've all Ben Tenzer been there from the start. These guys all have a very, very tight-knit um, way that they would never stab each other in the back. So when things – I think when pe- reporters, your big-time reporters, your woges and shams and stuff, they know they can, they can always verify information. They know if something's real or not. But when you start to call people and say, hey – I don't want you talking about this, but we're thinking about moving Gary Harris or we're thinking about moving Tory Craig or Mason Plumley. A lot of times when there is smoke to that, those types of rumors can get out. So Denver has an interesting job where they have to sort of, in my opinion, make some tough phone calls, tough decisions, and really work the phones and work the negotiations to win the negotiating battle. And look, they have the assets. It would be tougher if they were trying to like polish a turd and get rid of it. They got a lot of good players. Um, but they got to do that all without sort of letting these things fracture the locker room and, and, and cause a distraction. So big test ahead for Tim Conley and his, his crew. I think, I think we're going to learn a lot from them from this. You may or may not know Total Bev delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder, Aurora, Brighton, and they got the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. You order today and you get 30% off of your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home. Get it delivered when you order online. They'll bring it right to your door. Total Beverage, great partner. Another one of our big partners. So if you're going to the liquor store this weekend, check out, find out where the nearest Total Bev is and go visit or visit them on the web and have them deliver it to you gonna finish up now by reading these questions that have come in on the dnvr.com so for if you're a subscriber you've got a question you want us to talk about send it to us the broncos podcast crew they get like 50 messages per episode believe it or not they do five times a week they get like 50 questions that's how much they've built up their community i want to build it up too if you're a nuggets fan um, you know, we had this on the old Denver Stiffs board. Um, now, with it being a subscription service, you know, it's nice. You can go back there. It's almost like a VIB club. We do the perch. If, you, if you're if you not familiar, at, 
over on uh, at Nuggets games at halftime, we go and hang out outside of Section 144, which is where we are, and we just talk Nuggets with all of the DNVR subscribers and, and podcast listeners. And we have a really good good time, and now it's not just it's grown to where it's not just us talking to them; it's everybody talking to each other. You know, one of the visions we've had for DNVR is that we're making a club. We're we're making like a, a an Elks club or a Rotary club. You know, some type of um, a, a group, a, a community, a real true community of Denver sports fans to hang out, make other friends, um, and, and just do things with, with each other, whether it's watch parties, viewing games together, whatever. And, you know, this is a part of it, but so is the thednvr.com message board. So hop on there. We'll answer every single question that you have that comes on and uh, if, if for, for subscribers only. And you can only make a message if you are a subscriber. And it's a cool way for us to sort of interact. I want to get up. I don't know if I want to get up to 50 questions per day. The, the Nuggets podcast is like two hours every single day. And they kind of do like a show in the first 45 minutes and then they answer questions for like an hour 15. It's actually really, really cool. It's very interactive. But I would love to get to the point where we're answering, you know, five, six, seven questions per episode because listeners often sort of find interesting angles for, um, for topics for us to discuss, as is the case here. So, WP Nugs, do you see the starting lineup fully healthy changing before the playoffs at all this year? And if so, who? I love this question because my answer is no. I think it's going to be, you know, Jamal, Gary, Barton, um, Millsap, Jokic. But what's crazy is if there was a change, if there was to be a change, it would it would be Michael Porter Jr. in that starting lineup. Now, I don't think this is going to happen. I think the odds are really, really low. I mean, you get excited about young players, first-year players, second-year players. I mean, MPJ's on a great run of five games right now. And if you look at 15 games, the numbers are good, but on, you know, like eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven points over fifteen games, and there's a lot of games in there with like five points, you know, fifteen minutes, whatever. The per minute bait numbers are really, really good. But over the last five, when he's gotten twenty five minutes per game consistently, his numbers have been awesome. But who knows what challenges lie ahead for him? Does his body hold up? And I'm not even meaning like the surgeries and the injuries or whatever, but just like you know, rookies tend to run into a rookie wall late in the season. Now he missed a month or two just from not playing. But we still wonder is his like his muscle, his body strength up to snuff to be able to handle all of, all of these minutes. What happens when teams start to scout him a little bit more? What what happens when they start to attack him? You know, when I asked Michael Malone how are teams going at Michael Porter differently now than they were maybe a month ago, he said, "Well, the biggest thing is on the offensive end, they're attacking him. They're trying to hunt him out and and make him work." So. Um, you know, how does he hold up to all of that? Who knows? I would guess that not well enough to be a starter just yet. But there's another part of me that thinks, you know, Barton's really good and he's really good off the bench. So is Gary Harris. He's really good. Maybe Barton slides over to the shooting guard. So I could see something like that. But Jamal and Jokic, obviously a lock. I think Millsap is a lock. I know some people would think, well, maybe Millsap can help out that second unit. Malone plays, in my opinion, his starting lineup too much and, and when everybody was healthy. But in the playoffs, that's not the case. In the playoffs, your best five-man lineup is going to play a lot. And Denver's starting lineup has been pretty darn good. Um, but the one thing I'd say, MPJ has been on the steep learning curve, and we'll see if it plateaus anywhere in the near future. As I suspect it, it does, not plateaus as in like he just plays bad, but I just don't think he's going to be getting – right now he's getting like five points per game better every five games. <laughs> At some point that's going to slow down. But if it doesn't and he can truly reach the level of a Blake Griffin or a Ben Simmons, remember the guys that missed the first year have come in and been like not rookie caliber players. They've been second-year caliber players and they've been really really darn good if he can be that 
then, you know, by all means, he would be one of the five best players, and it would be foolish not to play him a lot. So I would say 95% no, but if so, I think Michael Porter is the only guy I could see breaking that starting lineup. Uh, good question. Sam asks, nationally, Jokic catches a ton of shit for his slow start this year, and everyone always gushes over Towns, who has, all, who has way less team success and seems to get a lot of credit for a hot individual 20-game start. Seeing as both offenses play through them, how would you compare Jokic and Towns if they were swapped? Is Denver similar to, better or worse? Uh, is Jokic more of a floor raiser on the Wolves team than Towns? Player comparisons are always hard, but they're both big plus offensive shooting bigs and will always be in the same group measured against each other. This is another great question, Sam, and it, it's pertinent because the Nuggets just played Towns. I, I'm on record saying that I think Towns is the most talented big in all of the NBA, above Jokic, above Embiid, uh, 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 above Gobert. The talents he doesn't get the he maybe gets the least out of his talents of any play of any player, um, of any center of all of those guys, and I think a lot of that has to do with attitude and and just leadership and maturity and and arrogance and all of these. I mean, there's a lot about Towns that I just don't like watching him. Um, but from a skill standpoint, there's so much to love. I mean, he can do anything. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. I mean, we saw him last night. You know, Jokic is a very good shooter. We saw Towns do a step-back three-pointer um, and drain it. Uh, he's a great mid-range shooter. He's a great post-scorer. He's so athletic. He's way more athletic than Jokic. Um, he's a very good passer. I mean, he's obviously nobody's a passer like Jokic, but he is probably a top three or four passing center in the NBA. So he's very, very – I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, maybe number two um, – Man, I don't even know, maybe like Al Horford or Mason. I mean, he's up there like with those caliber guys, in my opinion. He's a very, very talented offensive player, but he doesn't get a lot out of him. And here's what I'll say about Jokic and why his arrival in Denver has really meant so much to Denver's success. He truly is a selfless star. And what I mean by that, he has an ego, sure. He wants the ball. He wants these things. But he wants them because he knows he can produce the right style. He's he's a smart player. He's always going to make the right read. Everybody trusts him. Everybody on the team likes him. There's nobody that – everybody kind of believes in him. It was funny when Michael Porter talked about how Jokic has a calming effect on his team. I don't think Carl Anthony Towns has a calming effect on his team because I don't know that guys truly believe he's a winner. There was the big story about Jimmy Butler rolling into practice with the third stringers and just kicking his butt and talking crap to him the entire time time uh, these are the types of things i believe of carl anthony towns you know he he he's missing something and i don't think that he because he's been in such a bad organization i don't think he realizes that a lot of the problem is square on him now to be fair his team is terrible but i have very little doubt that if Jokic was on this version of the minnesota timberwolves they would be a playoff team he's that good of a player and he makes everybody around him better so to me towns is flashy People, when they rate players, they often people understand the one on one parts of a game. You blow by a guy, you're like, oh, that guy's good. He can blow by a guy. Very few people understand the five man game, the way everything's playing, you know, alongside each other, like how different players interact and and what makes this thing, this action work between two men and three men, three man game or whatever, weak side, rotations, all that stuff. Very, very, very few people. And part of what I love about my job and, and sort of my corner is trying to highlight with the Denver Nuggets, some of the positives and negatives of the five-man game and how all of these things come together. And I hope if you've come, followed me along this journey over at DNVR, you've you've learned a lot along the way as well. But it's easy to see the one-on-one -on -one stuff of which Towns, I think, is superior to Jokic. He's a great scorer. There's a reason he averages 25 points per game. But when you put the whole package together, I don't think it's close. And then I'll, I'll finish with this one thing. 
I don't think people realize how much better of a defender Jokic is than Towns. I think people look at Towns, Jokic and say, oh, he's a bad defender. So is Towns. Okay, they're in the same category. Not true. First of all, Jokic not a bad defender. But third of all, Towns is an awful defender. Absolutely awful. Awful effort. Awful technique. Um, he doesn't use his size very well. Um, every, everything about him is really, really bad defensively, whereas I think with Jokic, only one thing is bad defensively, his ability to move in space, to guard in space, as is the case with guys like Rudy Gobert as well, although with Jokic, it's, of course, more pronounced. Um, and then, of course, his ability to sort of clean up other people's mistakes. If you completely blow your coverage and you're attacking Jokic downhill, he is of little resistance, but so is Towns. Um, so to me, it's not even close. And I love Towns. I am on record saying that if he ever, if you put Jokic's brain inside of Towns' body, he might be the best op- offensive center ever, including Shaq when you factor in the ability to, to shoot the three and all the other stuff he does. But unfortunately, to me, he just hasn't put almost any of it together just yet in his five seasons. And it it certainly seems like he's going to be on a sort of LeBron James trajectory where as he has increased as an individual talent, he might have to go somewhere else for the quote unquote college portion of his career where he really gets an education and grows up and realizes that at least some of the problems are on him. This question on X from X2F01, has your opinion about the Nuggets ever winning a championship changed now that MPJ looks like a star? I'm on record saying that I don't think the Denver Nuggets will ever win a championship, and uh, I don't think that's a crazy take. It's, it's not that I don't, you know, I'm like a hater or a downer or whatever. It's just for the Nuggets to win, so many things have to break perfect. But I will say, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that Michael Porter Jr. is making me think. He's making me think. I think Denver Tim Conley has a really tough job. I do wonder if my if Jamal Murray is going to make the the appropriate leap if if the salary you know that that max contract if if Jamal Murray was on a Gary Harris type salary right now I'd be like oh man automatic yeah they're gonna they're gonna win one because you can afford to do all these different things so there's a lot of questions but I wouldn't I'd be lying if I told you that I think Jokic and Porter both and and this is upside this isn't where they are I think Jokic is there now I think Jokic on the trajectory he is on now, like if he just plays at this level for another three or four years, he will be the greatest nugget of all time. I believe that. I know that's a bias. I'm 36 years old. I know that they're the people that really grew up with Alex English or Bobby Jones or uh, or Skywalker, David Thompson. You know, there's going to be some people that, that disagree. Dan Issel. There's been some great nuggets. But to me, and I look at the statistics, I look at the video, I look at the way the game is played now and how much of a burden is on Jokic. How much he has to carry. He's the best scorer, the best rebounder, the best passer on the team. He runs the – I mean, all the stuff he does, I think he'll be number one. But when I look at MPJ, and this is much more – you know, with with Jokic, I think the possibilities are more narrow. He's almost certainly going to be one of the best Nuggets ever, and he's a great chance of being the best. I mean, the window of of worst-case and best-case scenario is getting thinner by the day. But with MPJ, the the possibilities really are endless. I mean, he could get hurt, you know, he could – um, he could. This could be the best of him, and he only, you know, he works on the wrong parts of his games, or he becomes selfish, or whatever. I and mean, there's all these, all these possibilities with him. But the talent, this guy is talented. I, I'm looking at the timeline, and some of these prominent national writers who are starting to catch on. By the way, Michael Porter Jr. is going to make the Nuggets famous. 
in a way that Jokic and Murray could make it to the Western Conference Finals every single year in a row, or even the NBA Finals. I don't think that they would be popular and famous and on, on TV. Michael Porter Jr. looks like a superstar. He's the type of guy that sells sneakers and sells shoes and has commercials and um, and, and everybody talks about. It. Whether he becomes the best player or not, he just has the game that sells. And I think the Denver Nuggets have a chance of being as famous and as popular as the Oklahoma City Thunder, as LeBron's Cavaliers, as the Houston Rockets have been. I think the Nuggets are headed for being the premier team. Is ESPN going to move somebody to Denver the way that they have for like Miami and Cleveland and Golden State? I think there's a chance because I think Denver's going to be both that good and also that popular, that easy to sort of like, oh, yeah, that's a good team. That's some good players. Those are some highlights. Jokic dimes mixed with Michael Porter Jr. Tough shots mixed with Jamal Murray's sort of um, Curry-esque ability to get hot and light it up. I think the Nuggets are going to be one of the most popular, fun to watch, and and, and just in-demand teams over the next two or three years. And I think their window of opportunity is going to be a little bit wider than I ever thought possible. Michael Porter Jr. is a heck of a player. And why I would never, if you told me gun to the head, do they win one or not? Of course not. But I, I would have prior to this said that their odds of winning a championship as currently constructed was about 5%, which is good. You know, that's not bad. Like this year, maybe 1%. Next year, maybe 2%. After that, maybe 3%. And, and then, you know, who knows if there's like a decline or something after that. Now you look at it and you got Michael Porter Jr. I think the odds actually go up a, a, a decent amount. Maybe, I, actually, I'm going to go even hard. I'm, I'm going to go even higher. I look at the Nuggets and I think... They have three players and a bunch of assets and a bunch of good, solid role players. They can go toe-to-toe with anybody. Not, I don't think this year. Michael Porter Jr. needs some seasoning, maybe two years of seasoning. But I think you look at this team and project what's Jokic in two years, Murray in two years, and MPJ in two years. That's a big three that can absolutely win a championship. And so while I wouldn't pick it, my opinion has changed. I think the Nuggets title window is a little bit bigger than I ever thought possible. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating and review if you haven't. We haven't gotten any for a while. We're a four-and-a-half-star podcast. We want to get up to a five-star. So if you haven't already, drop a five-star rating. And if you've got a second, say some kind words. We'll read them on the air uh, whenever we get to them. Thanks so much, everybody. Tune in tomorrow for a brand-new episode. know how supporting local business is in our blood we're super excited to tell you about denver rubber company and it may not be what you think it is denver rubber company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects since 1972 denver rubber company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die cut gaskets molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses and guess what snow is coming we've already had a taste of it you'll need denver rubber company when it comes to anything snow plows drc can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber the blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked uh, out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut materials that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy, buy in bulk at a fantastic rate. They're family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and tell them who sent you.